0: We started looking at living the way, and we have been on this journey about living the way, and we have gone through a couple of things that we have looked at, and we're currently looking at becoming like Him, and at the, the our, main, our main focus right now is community. Uh, we began this um, topic, this uh, topic two two weeks ago, where we started talking about community. Kilton did a wonderful um, a foundation, laid a wonderful foundation as he he spoke about the kingdom value of community, about church, and as I prepared, I, I was reminded of a story I once heard, and which is a good illustration, I think. You might not think it is a good illustration, but I think it's a good illustration of what community looks like, what, the, what church looks like, and what we, we, the bride of Christ, should look like. And the message of, uh, the, the title of my message today is Why We Do Church. Why We Do Church. That's the message uh, today, the title. And uh, the story goes as follows. Imagine you had a friend, and that friend called you up and said, hey, uh, buddy, I, I have something very important to tell you. Can we meet? Uh, and then you set a time and a place. So when you set the time and the place, the time comes and you meet your friend at the place. And as soon as you meet your friend, you can see he's visibly excited about something. You, can't really, you really don't know what he's excited about, but you can tell he's visibly excited about something. And then you, you sit down, you have your coffee, you say your highs, you do the formalities of a conversation, you go through the general things that start up a conversation before you get to the main thing. Just like how the Shona culture does it. They come to your house, they talk about many things. Then all of a sudden, you just hear pamsoroi. That means the issue is about to be spoken about, that, we are, that they came to talk about. So eventually your friend does a pansoroi And he tells you, Hey buddy, I found the love of my life. I found the one that makes my heart start and stop at the same time. I have found the one that... I believe God has sent to me, and I believe she's the one. And you look at your friend. And he can, you can tell he's so, so excited about that. He goes on to describe her face, goes on to describe how beautiful she is. Let's remember, beauty is in the, is in the eye of the beholder. But he goes on to describe how beautiful she is, shares how, how magnificent she is. He goes on to share that she is a wonder to, to look on. He uses very colorful words uh, to paint how beautiful this girl is. He says to you that even the seven wonders of the world put together cannot compare to her beauty. That God must have taken his time in fashioning her and making her. So much so that before and after her, there will never be one as beautiful as she is. He says to you, as she walks down the road, the birds and the trees sing, Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she beautiful? He is so, so in love, and you can tell he's so in love. And as he goes on, you, you are, a, a, a question starts bubbling, and you there's a question that you really want to ask him. And eventually, you get time and you, yeah, a moment, and you sneak in that question: When are we in the KK? When is the wedding day? When are we? When are you saying I do to this girl? At that question, he pauses, and he says, I am confused. That's the reason why I called you here today. I am confused. And you respond and say to him, what's confusing? She seems to be ticking all the boxes. Buddy, you're 40 years. Anything called a female will be all right for you. You don't say that, you think it. She ticks all the boxes and he responds and says, yes, she ticks all the boxes but one, and that gets your attention. He says, she's so beautiful. Her face is such a sight to look at and she's such a wonder. But, and it's one of those long buts that gives you a moment to scan out what's happening in the room and you realize he gives you that look that says, do not judge me for what I'm about to say to you now. But, but her face and her body do not tally. As far as far as the east is to the west, so is the face and the body. How many of us at that moment would look at our friend with that look that says you are silly? You are, thank you, (laughs) don't be that guy. That's what, you would look at him and say, don't be that guy. And as absurd and strange as the story may seem. How many of us realize that that is how most people look at the church? They are so intoxicated and so amazed by the face, that's Jesus Christ, don't get me wrong. It is important for us to worship God. They 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 are so amazed and wow and and admire God. Oh, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit at your feet. Yeah, I just want to be with you. I don't want to move away from you. As the psalm as as the psalmist says in twenty in uh, Psalm 27 verse four, Psalm 27 verse four, it says, "One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek." that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. They are like Peter who want to create and build tents because they have seen the transfiguration of Jesus and want to be with Jesus Christ. It is great to be with Jesus Christ, but you need to come down from the mountain and do what's called community. We can't all stay in the mountain. We need to come down. How many of us know that the face is not separate from the body? If the face was separate from the body, we would call it a Halloween pumpkin head or a monster. And Jesus is not a monster. He has a body. And most people, if they could separate the body from the face, they would separate the body from the face. They would do it, and some people do it whether it's intentional or unintentional, they do that. My question to you is this. If I had to ask you, what is the one thing that comes to mind when you think of Jesus Christ? What is the one identifier that comes to mind when you think of Jesus Christ? I'll give you some time to think about that. I bet you, some people, you had a, what's called the generic, the Christianese answer, which is not wrong. The Christianese answer, when you think of the one identifier that identifies Jesus Christ, it can be the cross, can be the Lord, you may say he's the Lord Jesus, he's King of kings, he's Lord of lords. He's a healer, he's a deliverer, he's saviour, he's a redeemer, he's, deliver, he's a deliverer, he's all these Christianese things. But very few may have thought the church. Very few may have thought the church. Because we don't automatically, we're not automatically wired to think the church and Jesus Christ. Or the church and me, I mean Jesus Christ and me. We don't automatically think that way. We actually think that they they, they are separate individual entities. That's how we think. Yet the math in the kingdom of God goes this way. One plus one is equal to one. One plus two is not equal to two. It cannot. The two shall become one, so says the Bible, talking about Jesus and the church. Not talking about your marriage only, but talking about the mystery that is Jesus and the church. In Colossians 1 verse 8. Colossians 1 verse 8 says the following. Should come up. Colossians, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the church. In the natural, if you met somebody who is either in love, like our like friend that we, we just started the story with, or they are married, when you meet them in town, there are a couple of things that you would do. There are formalities that you would normally go through when you have a conversation with a friend, and they are not with their partner. You would normally say, how is your better half? How is the other spouse? How is the, uh, the, the other person in your relationship? Because when you see that person, you see the other person. And so when we see the church, when we see uh, you, when I see you, I should see Jesus Christ. I should be seeing Jesus Christ and not all the mistakes that you make, but I should be linking you with Jesus Christ. That is how I should be seeing you. And Jesus Christ teaches us this this, uh, principle, this truth in Acts 9 verse 1 to 5. Acts 9 verse 1 to 5, if you may turn there, it won't come up on the screen. Acts 9, verse 1 to 5. Are we there yet? Acts 9, verse 1 to 5. The story goes, 1 to 5. But Saul, still breathing threats and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, that if he found any who were off the way, we are talking about living the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he traveled, he got close to Damascus, and suddenly a light from the sky shone around him, He fell on the earth and heard a voice saying to him, soul, soul, whenever you hear God calling you twice, you need to ask yourself, what have I done wrong? Soul, soul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you, Lord? Immediately he figures out that he is Lord. The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So the story is about a man called Saul who got letters from the Sanhedrin and went around uh, persecuting the church. He actually thought he was doing the work of the, the Father. He was doing the will of the Father. And then he, as he gets closer to Damascus, he has this an encounter. Uh, he's, he thinks he's just persecuting the church, but he has an encounter where Jesus Christ appears to him. And Jesus himself says, you are personally persecuting me. You are not just persecuting uh, so and so, but you are hurting me. You are coming against me. And so it gives soul a uh, Principle, a truth that is that, that, that uh, whether you see it or not, is still the truth, that you and Christ are one. You and Christ are the same. He and the bride are one, and there is no sip, there's no separation be- between Jesus Christ and His church. And yet and yet people think they can grow in the absence of church. They think they can become like Christ when they are not engaged in community and church. They think they have this warped idea and, uh, or conclusion that they can be like Christ and do like Christ in the absence of church. Can I get a bit real here? I might step on people's toes today or I might get too close to the heart but remember, I asked you, what is the one identifier you have of Jesus Christ? And I said one of them is Jesus is the healer. So you are in the right place. If I step on your toe, Jesus is Christ, Christ is going to heal you. Amen. Jesus will heal you. Ladies and gentlemen, online preaching it cannot, is not equivalent to church. Staying at home and reading your Bible and not coming to church is not equivalent to having community with people and church it is not the same there is no similarity and there is you are lacking some way and things will not you will not grow to your full extent because you cannot get to know Jesus Christ in the absence of his body you are just getting to know a monster just by through looking at his face because you will have a warped idea and, and you, will, you will not be able to come, uh, be, be challenged through your theol- theology and doctrine when you stay at home and you are all by yourself. What does church mean to you? For some people, church simply is a social club. For other people, church is, is like a, a church rat. You are like a church rat. You are born in the attic. You're born in church, your grandfather was in church, your your father was in church, so you are in church. You never ask yourself, why do I do church? COVID-19 has been the greatest tester of why we should do church. And to understand why we should do certain things. If you never ask yourself, why I do certain things, you're like the woman who used to cut the thighs of of a chicken, the wings of the chicken, and put it into the oven. And cook it until one day the husband asked why do you cut the wings of the chicken and the thighs of the chicken and put it into the oven and she could not answer and she remembered mom used to do it so she went to mom and asked why do we cut the wings of the chicken and the thighs of the chicken and put the chicken in the oven the mom said because my oven is too small why do we do church for me I have had to ask myself that during COVID-19. Why do I do church? Why do I do community? And the answer has been because I believe it is the divine design by God, whereby he created an environment where there is wealth, well-being, welfare that is imparted upon each other as we get to know God more and more. And as we come out of here of from community and go into the world, There is the manifestation of the manifold wisdom of God to the whole world. They shall know you by the love that you have one to another. That is why I do church and that's why the Bible encourages us to do community and come to church. It is a principle with a value. It's not a suggestion, but it's a principle. In Hebrews 10 verse 25, Hebrews 10 verse 25 says the following. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ said, I am coming back all the more as you see the day drawing near, I should be meeting all the more as I see this day drawing closer and closer and yes, I do not know when Jesus Christ is coming but it says all the more as I see it coming I should be meeting with other people and I should be engaged with other believers. If you say that you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, then you will feed the sheep. If you say you love Jesus Christ with all your, your your being, then you will tend to the sheep. If you say you love Jesus Christ with everything that you have, then you will be among the sheep. You will not be like Peter who was fishing and he was, he be, he was fishy, but you will be, uh, uh, you will be uh, 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 meeting with other people with the sheep and you just be shippy. Amen. There are three words I want to go through today in the scripture. Hebrews 10 verse 25, neglect, habit, and encourage. Neglect, habit, and encourage. What does neglect mean? It means to abandon. It means to forsake. The same word, the same Greek word is used in 2 Timothy 4 verse 10. 2 Timothy 4 verse 10. It says, for Demas has forsaken me having loved the present world and has departed. So we see in that scripture that when you neglect, you depart. When you forsake, there is a living that you do. You are no longer a part of. So when you have this idea that I can miss a couple of, of, uh, of, of community um, gatherings or coming together, then later on, or later on the result is going to be you will depart you will separate yourself. And he, um, Proverbs 24 verse uh, thirty-two to 34 tells us beautifully what neglect looks like. It says, I passed the field of a sluggard by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns and the ground was covered with nettles and the stone wall was broken down next then i saw and considered it and looked and received instruction a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man and here it's not talking only talking about material uh, poverty and want but it's also talking about spiritual poverty and want because the Bible says in Amos 8 verse 11 that there are coming the days when I will God is going to send a famine upon the land not a famine of food or, or water but he will send a famine of, um, of hearing the word of God there will be poverty of hearing the word of God so when you neglect you are you are in danger of becoming poor spiritually and poor and in want spiritually. Yes, Jesus Christ has given us all things. But when we are in a community of believers, we, we, we remind ourselves what God has given us. Amen. You may be a man who has been em- 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 emancipated and you are free. Yet you do not, if you do not know your freedom, you are still a slave. And that's the only way we get to know that you have been made free is when we come together and we read the Word of God together. Then we see and and people encourage each other through the Word of God. Then we see the truths and the promises of God and we encourage them and we grow that way. Amen. Neglect. The Word of God says... Not to neglect. That word not is an expression of absolute denial. It's an expression of absolute denial. So when you put not neglect together, it means you should absolutely deny the idea of neglecting community. You should absolutely deny. That is why I say that scripture, most people have said it's a suggestion that we go and meet other people. But it's not a suggestion, nor is it a command. It's a principle. There's a difference between a command and a principle. A command, there is blessings and curses that come with a command. But a principle has benefits and consequences. If I do the principles of work, I benefit from work. If I don't work, I face the consequences of not working. But I'm not commanded to work. We get it. So church community is not a command, but it is a principle with benefits. And we see these benefits, and I'll give you just a couple of benefits that we see. In Hebrews 2 verse 12, the Bible says the following, Hebrews 2 verse 12, and this is Jesus speaking. It says, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. I will declare your name to my brethren your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly if you are not in the assembly guess what you don't get to hear the declaration of Jesus Christ if you are not present you don't hear what God is doing it is so amazing what God does when people come together the Bible says in Psalms 133, how how good and lovely when brethren come together. It is it is it is like the the the, the anointing oil that was poured on Aaron's uh, head that flows onto his beard, onto his collar, onto his in, onto his ro- robe, and it is like the Jew of Haman. And um, uh, there God uh, pronounces a uh, declares a blessing. And guess what blessing? Jesus, uh, God declares in in, in Psalms 31 133. Uh, Verse 3, life forevermore. When people come together, there is life that is declared. In the assembly, in community, there is life that is declared when we come together. Acts 4 verse 31. Acts 4 verse 31. It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they had assembled, assembled Together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All those who were present in the assembly, all those who were present in community were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. So there's something amazing that happens when we do community, when we come together. God declares a blessing. Second is habit. Habit. We should be in the habit of meeting together. That word "habit" is uh, taken from a Greek word, which which uh, means ethos, which talks, which says ethos. It's ethos, and ethos talks about uh, character. It 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 describes the the guiding beliefs or ideals of uh, of one's characteristics. So, for example, we it's talking about what you believe is the truth, what you hold fast, what you will not change lanes for, even if there was a Underfit, you will not change a lane for and you will go into it. You will you will stick to what you believe. That is what habit means. That is habit. I will stick to this thing. No matter what, even if it seems like it's 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 a it's a disadvantage to me, I will stick to it. The Greeks used to use it to describe or refer to music, to the power of music to influence. You know how music influences? You jump into somebody's house or car or into a mall and there is a catchy tune, whether it's godly or not, but it is catchy. Guess what? You will find yourself singing that song the whole day, or even you will find yourself waking up singing that song. That is the power of music. And habit has got the same power over us. When you are in a habit of doing something, it will ring throughout your life, even until it becomes a lifestyle. Until it becomes a lifestyle and no one else can change it. In Luke, Luke 4, verse 16. In Luke 4, verse 16, it says the following And so he came to Nazareth. That's Jesus Christ, where he had been brought up. And as his custom, that's the exact same word as his habit was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. He went into a place of fellowship, a place of of community. He went into a place where there were like-minded people. Like Kilton said uh, two weeks ago, if you walk with the rich, you become rich. If you walk with the poor, you become poor. If you walk with fools, you become a fool. If you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you walk with those who love Jesus Christ, you become a lover of Jesus Christ. It's just simple math. And so that same word ethos is used as a legal term to describe a prescription just as you would get a prescription from a doctor if you had an ailment the doctor will write a prescription on you for you and he will give you and you go to the pharmacist and you get the medication did you know that community is a prescription by god for loneliness and being alone for god said in genesis man it is not good that man should be alone and so he created community And we need community, we need each other to grow. It's important for each other to realize that we need each other to grow. It's amazing how habit um, forms in our lives. Scientists tell us that it takes 18 to 254 days for a a habit to be created in you. It takes 66 days for that habit to become automatic in you. And COVID-19 has done such a wonderful job good and bad it has questioned what our habits are and what our beliefs are when it comes to community because in the i think seven months that we have we 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 went through this or the 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 three months that we we were uh, on uh, on uh, lockdown some habits were formed and some people have not been able to come out of those habits and they are living in those habits because they have allowed certain habits to take over. It means that the habit of meeting and the habit of community was not strong initially in them. And so it came like, like, like the birds came and stole and, 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 and uh, took the seeds when it had been planted. So church has been taken away from certain people. Third point, Encouragement. We need to encourage each other when we meet together. Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. If you are going to grow, you need me and I need you. We cannot become sharp all by ourselves. It is impossible for us to become sharp all by ourselves. And encouragement talks about standing alongside another. With the intent of addressing and speaking. So when I come and encourage you, I'm addressing and speaking comfort. I'm uplifting you. I'm I'm giving you exhortation. I'm instructing you. And that is what encouragement is. In 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 26. Is it 26? Yes, 26. The author of 1 Corinthians, Paul, is also is also questioning and is wondering what happens when community when you when we come in community because he starts this by asking how is it then brethren how is it then brethren whenever we come together how is it brethren whenever you are reading the bible all by yourself at home the following things may not happen. How is it, brethren? Whenever you are, when you are, you are watching your online preaching and not coming to church, the following things won't happen. There is something unique that happens when we come together. That even Paul is wondering, why does this happen? There is something amazing that happens when we come together. He says the following: How is it, brethren? Whenever we come together, each has a sum, a teaching a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation. Let all of this be done for edification. It should be done for encouragement. It should be done for the building up of the church. And that's why we do community. We ought to do it so that we build each other up, especially more as he comes. More as he comes. We ought to be doing this more and more. As the day draws near, We ought to be pressing hard to have more of community. Amen. We read in Acts 9. Acts 9 talked about a man called Saul who saw the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as a man called Moses asked a simple question of God. He said, God, I want to see your face. Lord, I want to see your face. And God said the following to him. You cannot see my face. But what I would do, I will lift you up and put you in a cliff. And as I pass by, I will hold your eyes so that as I pass by, you don't see my face. But guess what? You see my body. You see my back. You see parts of my body. You don't see my face. If you want to see me, then you need to see my body. And Paul, having been blinded by that encounter in Damascus, the Bible says he was blind. And when a man came and prayed for him, the scales fell off his face, his eyes. And the first thing he saw was community. He saw another believer. He saw You and me. If we want to see Jesus Christ, we need to look at each other. And we need to press hard to have a more community with each other. Amen. Jesus, sorry, God in Genesis asked a man called Cain, Where is your brother? And Cain responded with this, Am I my brother's keeper? And when God asks us that question right now, where is your brother? We should be able to say, there. So as we go through these teachings of community, may God, be, may God open up our eyes. May the scales fall off our eyes. May we see each other. May we see community, may we be able to see Jesus Christ in each other. May we press hard and, and, and despite what, what the world tells us and, and uh, enforces upon us, may we press so, so hard to having community with each other. I believe and I really, really believe that as we go through these moments, I believe that scales will fall off our face, fall off our eyes, and we'll be able to see Jesus Christ through each other.